You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, to start off the show this week, we have to issue a um, parental guidance warning. Parental, if you've got kids in your car and you're listening to this, please don't let them listen. For just the turn next. it off. Throw the kids out of the car. If you're moving, that's fine. They'll be okay. Because before the after the show discussion was prompted by me, because today and yesterday I'm having a particular proclivity toward anger, toward two, a one, one phrase, and then you brought up the other, which is... The phrase we're referring to is... Two the, of them. I start with pussy, you said, then added cunt. And, and I do use cunt in normal speech. You I, don't. You do not. Yeah, I do. I've, I've said it. Don't give people the impression. You barely even swear. And you I never mean, if I have it. to swear, it's one of my favorite words to say. And it's absolutely horrific. And you will not listen to me. And that's why I like to say No. It. Then that's disrespectful. And that's you don't why, even that's get That's why. It. If I'm swearing at right, somebody. Right. So if you're I'm, disrespectful to me, you don't care. I'm not swearing at you. No. If I hear it, I find it disrespectful. I don't care if it's directed at me or not. No, what the I'm feminine implications it... and the gender implications of pussy and cunt are that there's something feminine implied when you're saying it to your stupid idiot male friend, and then Actually, the insult comes because it's a feminine if you, term. If you go and read Wikipedia, I have about read it, the, and I, I just read it to you. And what does it say about and you American can understand my, You can understand my perspective of it because. In the English dictionary, it doesn't mean the same right, as it but does. to disregard that someone else finds it thoroughly offensive. And I, if I'm swearing, I want to be offensive to somebody. To me, though, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't call you a cunt. I don't I'm say not it. saying that. I don't say, make just my dinner, you stupid that, cunt. Just I don't the say fact that. that you would use it or think it's appropriate in any way, shape, or form, even to shock somebody, which is even more obnoxious. No, to offend, I'd use it to offend somebody. Oh, right, and that, that's what I'm saying. To use it to offend someone... And if my the, point of view is that it implies that there's a weakness or something horrible if I'm about so mad at somebody, implying someone that there's feminine... I'm not thinking of your... If I'm so mad at somebody, I'm going to say it to them. And you're not even there. I'm not thinking, well, I better not say this because you will think that. I, there's no way. I'm just right, trying to offend That's just disrespectful that to not even think about it. I, I disagree completely because you're not even in the room or whatever. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I, and I'm so mad at somebody, I want to say... I want to offend them. I'm not picking and choosing my words. I'm just saying the worst thing I can possibly point, say. That's my that maybe we should. Because no. if some words... I, well, I am picking words. and choosing my words because I find that one to the most offensive one. And that's so that's my the point. one I will give you. And that's my point. That the implication of that word is gender specific. Whether you think it or not, or whether Wikipedia says British people get it or not, you do get it. Because you understand that in America and other cultures... It's directly related to femininity, to some sort of feminine, a body part, a vagina. Therefore, when you're using it in anger and hatred towards someone, you're implying there's some weakness or something bad about them. I disagree with you. That's not... You can't disagree. That is what it is. No, I've just told you. The Brit, British people, we don't see it like that. Yeah, well, we'll I'll do, do the history of the word then, and we'll find that the origins of it We just it did it. Is, I just read it to Not the full history. The etymology of it, I will find out. That in the origins of it, there's something feminine, and over the years it's been twisted and contorted, so that you can use it casually or to be offensive to someone, but the origins will, of it is I don't think feminine. anybody uses it casually. It's a shocking oh, word. We've seen enough movies and TV to know that some people do use it casually. The same as some people use the N-word casually or call people a, a fag or a queer casually because they're idiots. And that's why I think of someone who just vomits it out as if, okay, in the moment you might want to hurt somebody's feeling, but actually think about what you're saying. Call someone an asshole. It's a very gender non-specific 
right? Everyone has one. There's nothing implied about it except you're an asshole, which is pretty bad when you think about it, to call someone an asshole. But to call someone something gender-specific to insult them by implying there's something wrong with the gender. I call people penises all the time. I say, you stupid penis. Oh, what a penis. Yeah, I don't think that's appropriate either because there's nothing wrong with men in general. I find it... It's, it's, but there's nothing it's, wrong with it. It's the... kind of funny when you say it, and it's also, it means nothing, really. Yeah, but what's wrong with your penis? Why would that be an insult? <laughs> That's what I mean. It really kind of means nothing. It just sounds weird and funny. Like, it's like a funny thing to call somebody. Are you bellend? It's kind of funny, too, right? It doesn't mean anything. I'm not sure that I think it is. I, I think you're right when you said don't have a sense of humor about some things, Don't because I think we're not careful about the implications of what we say. But that was our before the after show. Uh, we did a little research, even looking at the in Wikipedia. That was my only research. Well, I went to etymology and dictionary.com and stuff. And to Jane find other Fonda words. used the word in an interview on the Today Show in America. We not casually. You need to listen. She to was it. talking about the vagina monologues, um, mm-hmm. but she did slip it slip it out, as, as so to speak. And uh, Ray Winstone is the record holder for using it on film. And the be- Ray Winstone and Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley said it more than 300 times in the movie Sexy Beast. And then people can get all freaking intellectualized about it. It's just a word. It is just a word after all. And if you're sensitive to it because it's a word, then stick it up your ass. It's actually, I'm telling you what, words have meaning to people. But it's actually quite funny that the person who uses it the most in movies is like Ben Kingsley, who's like... Gandhi. <laughs> somebody who people respect yeah, but, highly. Like he's like. Um, but you know what? We shouldn't, because he's been in some shitty yeah, he movies. Yes. So that was the discussion. All right, so um, welcome. Take it as you will. So you, now you can turn the radio back on, pull the kids back in from the outside the car. If you threw them out, you, you know. Put something over their ears yeah. so they can hear. I uh, hope you wrap them in bubble wrap before you toss them out And if you don't think about it, then maybe you should, because your words have power. So, Saturday, March the 17th, 2012, and this is after the show number 215. The podcast, which we do every week, um, to... Review a movie, we watch a movie, and then after the movie, after the show, we come and discuss the movie, and we also discuss other life topics, and sometimes swear words. You've just turned, you flipped a switch and there's some sort of announcer voice that you just put on there. I had cadence went all like, announcer Sometimes, I think, people don't know what this is about. What is this? You find it, and who are we? Ace Scully and Sid Talk. And to each other? Ace And we are? Husband and wife. Correct. Correct. So that's that's who we are, what we're doing. We're going to review a movie this week. The movie being The Three Musketeers. A 2011 Blu-ray release. It's uh, released on Blu-ray and Blu-ray 3D actually on the 13th of March 2012. It's not actually out yet. Right. You just said it was a 2011 well, Blu-ray release. Blu-ray. It's a 2011 movie. 2012 release. Yes. 2011. Um, Yeah, so it was released this Tuesday. You can actually pick it up now in North America. It's uh, Blu-ray. It's from our friends at Summit Entertainment. And it's a PG-13 movie with no tagline, but its tagline probably is all for one and one for all, right? So it's the Three Musketeers. If it has to have a tagline, it has to have the famous tagline from the book. So I'm giving it... it doesn't have one. I'm giving it the tagline, all for one, one for all. And you are going to give us the synopsis of this movie. Mm. The Three Musketeers plus their little friend try to thwart a plan to, um, I don't know, take over France? I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yes. So it's, um... I mean, that's why, that's why 
I guess that's the bare bones of it. I mean, most people know who the three musketeers sure. are, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, you have to, really, at this point. If you don't, go and look it up on Wikipedia. I mean, I don't really. I've never read it. I've never I was seen... brought up with it, read it, seen numerous movies of it. I haven't seen any movies about it. I right. haven't read it. I might not even have ever seen it in a cartoon. I just have no... Right. No history of it. You never saw a cartoon of it? Not Do- Dog Tanyan? So. No, no. Okay. So, this is your first experience with the... Fr- not... Alright, so The Three Musketeers, a modern retelling of it. I mean, not a modern retelling of it, because it's still set in the, the, those times, but it's a modern look at it, you know? Um, I didn't really expect much, but I had lots of fun. Lots of fun. In fact, this is what it is, and it's directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who also directs Resident Evil movies, which we've also talked about in the past. They are not the greatest movies of all time, but they're a lot of fun, and that's, the, that's, that's what Paul W.S. Anderson makes. He makes... Like a big spectacle. It's it, it, you know, it's not like Michael Bay makes a big spectacle because it's a bit smaller than that. But it's he does a spectacle and, and it's fun. It's not great dialogue. It's not <laughs> great action. But something to me brings it all together. And I had lots of fun with this. And as soon you know from the opening scenes, it's quite obvious it's going to be tongue in cheek the entire time. Absolutely. And that was a great move on the on the behalf of um, the makers of the movie. Because if they'd have gone the serious route, it would have not been as good. So going the tongue-in-cheek route. How so? Just if it was this movie, but oh, everybody movie, was being right. serious. And and not not no nods and winks kind right, of thing. Right, but if you you'd know? done it like, uh, um, what was it, Mutiny on the Bounty? The one with um, the Gladiator guy. If you did it in that way. Master and Commanding. Yeah, made it that <laughs> way. Whatever. Same thing. No. Well, you know what I mean. That was same time thing, timey thing in my mind. Um, if you'd done it that way, that type of seriousness with the real, real guts of it, it would have been fantastic I mean, it, as well. I mean, if you have to compare this to something, it's done in the style of Pirates of the Caribbean, quite obviously. Like, like let's make a light-hearted version. Like, Pirates of the Caribbean, it's a light-hearted look at pirates, right? Like a cartoon. But, pir- but a, another Pirates movie could be a really grim, horrible, piratey movie that wouldn't uplift you in any way it would be kind of gross and grim right uh, yeah and the three musketeers can be done in either way too and it's been done many times in serious ways it's also been done in light-hearted ways before but this is like just super light-hearted obviously it 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 takes a lot of um artistic license yeah it, it you know it, it goes over you know t- just for spectacle it goes over and above it i mean it runs with ideas way further than it should but um for example you know, airships. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it gets a bit crazy. Notre Dame Cathedral, uh, there's a scene, you know. It, yeah. It gets, you know, Spectacle. it's like a modern day action movie in parts, right? Now, Three so, Musketeers, purely fictional. Yes. Okay. A book. I mean, it's all fiction. Yeah, We're like folklore. About, no one existed except when they say Queen Anne and King, This they're real. Right, and you know what? In this movie, you know, when you said which queen is that? Yeah. She, the, the king in this movie is actually King Louis the... Eighth, I thought they said. X-111. That's eight. King Louis the Eighth. The Queen is called Queen. So they didn't base the Queen on the Queen. They did. In the beginning, her name was Anne. Right, well, in in the credit, she's called Queen. Right, but in the beginning, they said he married Queen Anne and blah, blah, blah. And King King Louis was... Isn't he the one that chopped off everyone's heads eventually? Uh, No, but he was the flamboyant one. I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Chopped up Henry VIII was a British king. Right. 
This is King Louis. Oh, Louis. Yes. <laughs> you fail at history. Absolutely. Oh, no. I'll tell you right now. That is not... That's why these things confuse me. I get... get... Do you know King Louis? I remember the eighth I am. I am. Yeah, yeah, I know that guy, but that's a different one. Anyway. Yeah, King Louis, was, King Louis was known as the really flamboyant king from France, so they really did... Fashion forward, and, all that kind of stuff. Um, Insecure. Some people say homosexual... There was a lot of things going on. They with didn't Kimber. imply that at all. They didn't imply no, this no. in this. But, there wasn't uh, even a hint of it. In they, fact, they did have a lot of fun with innocent it. Innocent young man thrown into royalty. Very naive, and they had a lot naive, of fun with it. And but with the heart, you kind of felt, you know, there's a sweet little story there. I thought. So I you know, that. I've seen a lot of uh, Three Musketeers films, and I really enjoyed this. I can't deny. I'll go it, down like, by saying my absolute least favorite thing, which almost ruined it for me every single scene, was that. Comedian guy, absolutely hated that. Uh, yes, I didn't actually write him down in the credits, but he's the he's I the mean, he's it, not he's the um, Radio One DJ guy. It's he's on too Doctor much. Who. It's yeah. too much. Everything else is tongue in cheek. We're still playing homage to modern culture, and we've got the the sets and the costumes of then. And then there's this. I mean, it's just too much. It's, um, it's like it's too vaudevillian, vaudevillian kind no, of. No, it's um, too modern. It's too modern. Where right. his little movements and he's da 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 and the uh, comedy of. Today. I really liked how they did take some things like uh, when D'Artagnan puts his horse in the uh, in Paris, parks it, and they give him yeah. a, a parking ticket. Well, it's not a ticket, but it is a ticket. But like these things like that, where modern day life creeps into it. Um, there could have been citations then. They could have, but it, but he even calls it like you. But that, I mean, I'm dumb. just saying the one thing that kept pulling me out of liking it was that guy, not yeah. him. I mean, putting a character in there with yeah, that sort James of James Corden or somebody like that. That I just thought it was the worst thing ever. And he plays that kind of thing in. He's in Doctor Who also. Absolutely, he plays exactly Doctor the same. Cop. Yeah, that's it's what it is. It's not funny. Basically. It's not clever. It's annoying. So I really enjoyed this, and I thought it was fun all the way through. I think the action scenes and the use of CG and no CG... In fact, it came to points where I wasn't even thinking about CG yeah. or anything at all. Like I was like, wow, these are airships in the air, and they're fighting each other. And So that's cool, and I think he does a good job of that, because he did it in Resident Evil, the last Resident Evil we saw, where we were kind of yeah. like... We watched the extras and went, no way, that's like real? We thought that was all CG, but like there's a lot of real stuff. Um, Some of the sword fights, because I, I get a little bored with fights and fighting and whatnot. A couple of them got a little boring, but then the one of the D'Artagnan, the one I got up on the thing, really that good. one was really good. And then when they did show the thinker guy, Arthos, doing the slow motion, the 300 thing. That was awesome, Old too. dog, whatever. That moment really was Really well good. done. And they all felt pretty even though it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, there actually are, like, stabbing them in the gut and slitting their throats, but no blood ever happens except on D'Artagnan's No, it's kind of like, kid, it's kids could right. watch it as well. But you still got the vibe that when they walk away, there are there's a big mound of Dead bodies people, to deal yeah. with. Yeah, whereas in other movies, you don't... I mean, it's not gritty at all, but I still liked that sort of no, little bit not, of severe. It's theatrical, it's over-the-top, it's... It's fun. It's just fun. And it's what Pirates of the Caribbean is to me. I know Pirates of the Caribbean is a different thing, but it's that. It's everybody's having fun. Like, in this, Orlando Bloom's in it. You can tell he's having fun. It's just like he's having the time of his life doing this over-the-top character. It's just just a laugh. Like, it's... and But, you know, while it's a laugh and everybody's having a laugh, they're also portraying the roles they're supposed to because the kid who's playing D'Artagnan, I buy him. You know, he's like a up-and-coming hero dude and... 
Yeah, it's a little too... I, I mean, he's there to appeal to a certain demographic, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Um, not me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it's a really fun movie. I, I think Paul W.S. Anderson has like a niche thing on his hands that's literally his own thing. He needs to take a serious tone every once in a while. Just every once in a while, take a movie, I do, but- use his sensibilities of style and the sets and the detail that he puts into everything. Resident Evil, there's loads of... Yeah, there is. Whenever there's a modern, kind of weird, spacey looking... Not spacey, but that... You know, yeah. we're on the ship and that... Every little detail. Take that and put an act... Drop in there a really gritty, dark story. Like, with real drama. No chung and cheek no comedy, just straight I up. i say if you want to, like... You know, like a film to... You know, you can't necessarily 100% watch this with all your kids because there is some... A little bit of foul language, isn't there? And there's, um... Somebody somebody says shit a couple of times. Well, that's most kids. Yeah, but I mean, okay. I, and that that to me actually, when I did hear a little bit of foul language, talking of foul language, I did find it like a little bit inappropriate for this movie because I was like, this would be fine for an eight year old if people didn't say shit. And why do we have to these days in movies? You know, like this because we this can play to an eight year old the best as, as it can to a seventy year old. It's like a timeless story. Everybody's going to have a bit of fun with it. Some people are going to roll their eyes and say it's just kind of crap. There's no swearing in Pirates of the Caribbean, is there? A little bit, I think, in them. Like, just to, just what they can get away with for a PG-13. I think you mm. can you can actually say the F word once in I a PG-13. I don't think 13. they do. I'm not sure. I don't think so. See, even that one F word in Armageddon, it, re- it really works because it's a crucial moment, but it doesn't really have to be there, and it really it moves the movie over into, a, into another... You know, you can't sit with your six-year-old. And you'd have to cover their ears at that point, wouldn't you? You know? So, yeah, the, this isn't... You can't sit with your little kids and watch it, but I would say... I a lot of people would, even though they say... And people say shit at home all the time. I also think kids would love this movie, because there's a heroes to get dun, behind. Dun, 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 yeah, dun. It, They're so close to having that so, tune. It's so close They're to so being trying, Pirates of the Caribbean. trying to be the tune, yeah. the song from Pirates of the Caribbean. Absolutely. Dun, 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 whatever. And yeah, it's like just it a few notes over. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's almost copycats. Because uh, that music propels you into the hero thing. It works. It even works for me. And I know I'm kind of being duped when they raise the music levels high and somebody's just really just hitting swords against the other swords. But, you know, you do get a thrill from it. So, you know, I I really liked it. I know it's kind of... Oh, special mention. Costumes in this movie. Fantastic. I'm not joking. Like, you know when they do costumes at the Oscars and stuff? I know this movie's not really an Oscar kind of movie, but the costumes in this Fantastic. movie are incredible. Seriously. They're better than some period pieces I've seen. Like I've I was never really seen paying co- attention. They're so colourful. Every single little detail was like even the cost, even the uniforms of like the cardinals people or yeah. whatever it was. There, everything looked like it was stitched right on there, and like every single little rope and lace and everything, like really detailed. Yeah really colourful too because there's actually a kind of a little joke about the, yeah. the king has Wanting to do with to the fashion, fashion yeah. so he changes the colour of his costume quite a few times but I was glad every time he changed his costume I was like wow and they're so like striking Lush. in high def like the colours and everything and also I mentioned costumes amazing architecture oh, in yeah. this movie and sets I mean we as we found out in the extras he used a lot of um, real what do you call them? Like palaces, mm. stately homes, like really Castle. castles. Um, he uses a lot of real ones. In They're Bavaria. not sets. In, yeah, it's all filmed in Germany. 
Why um, do they call Bavaria Germany? Because Bavaria is its own country, isn't it? Yes. I was just curious why you said why they keep saying Germany, but it's actually it is Bavaria is its own country. I thought part of Germany. Is it? Yep. And what are the other parts of Germany called? <laughs> you have to look at a map. And that's what I'm saying, though. I think it's its own country. Yeah, it said it said right at the very end on the credits, filmed in Germany. And then he mentioned that, blah blah blah. I filmed it in Germany, and then while we're in Bavaria, and I'm thinking, I, th- I'm, I don't know, I have to look that up too. I'll, I will. I'll not only look up the history of words today, I will look up the history of Europe and see. What so yeah, it's filmed, filmed a lot of these uh, stately castle, etc. Uh, places where like they've got painted ceilings and uh, gold everywhere, marble floors. It was a fantastic move because. It's another thing. In high def, on a big screen, you're watching it, and you, there's just so much to take in. In fact, there was a scene where they, Christoph Waltz is talking to the king, and the camera revolves around him, and I generally hate the revolving camera shot. But I said to you, it saved me from the, oh my god, I hate that revolving camera shot, because the room was so impressive, and I was looking at the room rather than them. I was like, wow, look at the ceiling there, and look at the corners of the room. Um... And I stopped looking at them and just listening to them and looking at them. Yeah, I was going to say, I said, can we get rid of this fad, please, of the spinning around It doesn't dialogue. do it a lot. That is it in this movie. No, it's not it. They also do it in the, they're in the ship and the, the musketeers oh, are talking to each other. Oh, I didn't even notice it. So yeah. maybe it was, um, I was having too much fun with the right. characters <laughs> and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting movie. I think some people would absolutely hate it because they'd say it's like just so lowbrow. It's yeah. unbelievable. But then... You've got to go into it with a... You know from the opening moments when it's tongue-in-cheek. Because it really is, like, straight away. I mean, it starts with... And my first instinct is, oh, God. Please. Do I have to sit through two hours of this bullshit? Like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, it's the three musketeers, and we want to be cute and funny. I mean, I really had that attitude. And it doesn't always... First five minutes, I was like, oh, God. When he got in the boat and the chick was there, and he was just like, And then I thought... Really? This is where we're going? And then after, in the next 10 to 15 minutes, I just sort of came around. Yeah, because it's not that at all. I mean, yes, it's got the uh, slap your thigh kind of old uh, medieval-y kind of funniness stuff. Vod, what do you call that? You know, like, like throwing fruit at a dude and it's funny and it's got that kind of humour. Right. But then it doesn't always go into that kind of humour because once it gets to the uh, king's castle and de- dealing with the king and the cardinal there's a lot of intrigue and politicking kind of going on and then it shifts to like a kind of like a heist um a couple yeah. of heists actually and then like big action scenes and huge special effects things it turns out you know so yeah it's it's a big on big battle uh, like it feels like a big journey start to finish i would have like only thing i would have really liked and it's just covered like at the beginning a little bit is D'Artagnan with his family yeah, and the, and his father sending him off well he, you know him going off leaving his family and saying I want to be a musketeer and go on an adventure it's just not covered enough it's just like we see him with his father and his mother in a field and then he's gone and then they're gone I, I would have liked a bit of him as a young lad or you know just show how his spirit more like before we even mm. meet him like you know like it's but they didn't really cover it because they had to get to the meat of the movie quickly I think um so what was your uh, thoughts on... Uh... I said them, pretty much. Excellent, so... <laughs> I mean, started off thinking, oh God, and then sort of won me over. 
I just despise that one character. Everything about him. He could have absolutely been absent completely, 100%. I imagine kids love him. I don't care. I'm not. A no, kid. I'm not talking. About I'm talking. I can see why he would. Why they would put. Yeah, but it like. drags it down. I mean, if not if the other com- Pirates of the Caribbean have an equivalent. If some of the other comedy kind of borderlines to the low common denominator, that just drags it down to the mud with me for me. And but and the love stories kind of you know a little bit boring. But overall, well, I just I sort of let myself. I, go. I didn't think they. Love, the love stories were so it, they didn't go crazy with them. No, no. No, I mean it I wasn't. I just mean like, like young man, young woman. Da, 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 yeah, but da, it was da. real. I mean, it, yes, they have a little bit of that. It's but, threaded through the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but don't think this is like, like no, a, no, like a Robin Hood or something. Some super all for one one. Uh, hey, what, what was the um, Robin Hood? I'm thinking the Brian Adams song. That one's like got a lot of love in it. Made Marion. Mm. It's like real focused on it. Yeah, the romance, like Titanic, like it, like real f- big focus on the love story. Um, what was the Three Musketeers film with the Brian Adams song? Who was in that one? It wasn't Three Musketeers. Oh, all for Robin one, one for all, where he sang that. All for one, one for all. Is it something like that? Brian Adams. Somebody like that. Something. Was there a Three Musketeers film in the eighties? I don't know. Uh, yes, I think there was. Wasn't the man Iron Mask? That wasn't Three Musketeers. Uh, I thought it was. No. I've got that, maybe. That was Man in the Eye Mask. I don't know. I feel that there was a Three Musketeers Hollywood movie. And that's the one I'm totally most famous. The most famous one, right? I don't know. I I don't know. I get dragged up and I'm... Do you not remember any Three Musketeers? I don't, really. (laughs) I mean, you didn't see any, but do you ever recall any happening? I really don't. Right, so there may not have been any. No, just because I don't like I, Like, I probably saw, exist. like... I'm thinking maybe I saw a TV show or something, because I watched Three Musketeers all the time when I was a kid. Right. Well, it's a British thing, right? So it's probably more... Not a British thing, no. Where was it from? French. Right. <laughs> You're really all over the place well, with it's this. Europe. It's close enough. Oh, yeah, it's not... It's not American, so it's not something that would have been... And maybe loads of people, American people have seen lots of... I just d- never appealed to me... Never thought about it. I've never drawn to any movie that ever would have even said it. Just didn't appeal to me. So what we've learned is, uh, <laughs> you think the Three Musketeers is a British thing? What else did we learn? I think of it more as a European thing. It is a European thing, right? But definitely not. But the British guy thing. wrote it's French. Correct. Um, because in this movie they're not French, so let's get that very. Oh straight. yeah, one no thing. No one has a French accent. Nobody has any uh, people. Only Christoph Waltz has his own accent. Oh, they all have like a British accent. Everybody. Christoph does. Waltz has his own accent, which it's is kind of like American and German mixed up or something. And I don't French even know what it kind is. of thrown in there yeah, once in a while. Yeah, nobody tries anything with accents. Nobody. You just have to get over that immediately. Everybody just does whatever they. No are. one speaks French at no. all. No, 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 no. So why would I automatically think it's French if I know nothing about the Three Musketeers? Why would I? Because the movie. Yeah, because this movie is primarily made for like a Hollywood movie isn't it to yeah for Hollywood to consume so uh, yeah nobody's nobody tries with an accent nobody inflicts anything really do they like D'Artagnan's like totally an American kid yeah like, and then the big guy is kind of French sounding is he French he's British right but he sounded kind of French sometimes <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> actually it's one of those movies where you kind of like let it go <laughs> like I'd rather how they did it, though, than everybody put on one of those fake French yeah. accents where they're all like, oh, man's all, oh, oh. But I would like to see a French telling of this story. 
I and I'm sure there are many. Sure there. Um, so yeah, it's you got to know what you're going in for. It is not a serious take on anything. It's not Ridley Scott doing Robin Hood or anything like that. <laughs> it's if Ridley Scott did Three Musketeers, it would See, be. See, no, that would be that thing. would be different. Exactly. So this is just your fun. Think Pirates of the Caribbean with the Three Musketeers, and that is exactly what it is. Um, I disagree with that statement somewhat, but it's close enough. It's totally in the spirit of that movie. If your kids love Pirates of the Caribbean adventure, I humor, felt, I adventure. I didn't feel it was a big adventure. That's where I disagreed with you, too. I felt it was a bit claustrophobic. I feel like... It didn't feel like the scope of it was very big. Yes, they tell us they're going to England, and they're, yes, we're going to France, but I didn't feel that at all. I felt, and this... I, I felt like it was all like on one thing, one castle, one place, and then we see I France. I really like that. And then we, yeah, but I'm saying it didn't give me any adventure scope whatsoever, other than some ships flying in the air. So I didn't feel the scope as it in felt big for me, as in not in location, but as in what they big do set as a pieces, part. Of it, like. But it didn't feel like I'm traveling much. Where in Paris of the Caribbean, I feel like every time we go somewhere, you're going long. But I'm way. just talking about the spirit of Paris of the Caribbean. That kind of music that we just talked about sure. wells up. Um, sword fights, action sequences. Um, big set pieces with CGI and stuff, and the humor vibe to everything. Everything's like played a bit humorous. It's not the characters. I'm not as invested in though. I don't feel as attached. I don't get the time to get to know them all that well. I feel uh, uh, in this case with the with this version of the Three Musketeers, a sequel would actually be kind of cool because I feel there's a lot more to tell. With I, I feel that the yeah the characters who they chose to be them there's a lot you can do with them together right but in this one then there should have been a slower explanation of them than just boom he's a kid leaving his family yeah. boom he had a relationship with that chick boom he was a drunk boom he's a priest let's go there's I no know. I have no um, it's very possible there'd be a, be a sequel I think to this um, mm, I which know. I'd actually enjoy I think because I do think they could like the Sherlock Holmes and this is, they made a sequel yeah you know, there's more to do with the characters, is what I'm saying. I mean, they don't, they, you, there's not just one story of the Three Musketeers. There's lots of stories, and plus, he's invented, the, he's made a new version of the Three Musketeers. They can do whatever he wants with. But right? What else is there except for defending France? <laughs> well, there's they, there's the secret missions they went on. They, no, but it's all about it is. It's France. about. <laughs> what I mean, but what I mean is the actual situations you can get into. Right, but like Indiana ultimate... Jones, he only does one thing as well, but it's fun. He only does one thing? He's an archaeologist who goes uh, goes after treasures, right? So that you have different movies where he does that. Right. And then a bad guy gets in the way of him and the treasures, and that's literally what all of them are, right? But it's still fun to see him go on another adventure. Well. I guess I think his adventures are more interesting than defending France. Well, see, I, I, mean, I, <laughs> I do like a bit of history or a bit of, you know, like... I like history, but defending France doesn't intrigue me. Defending the country. It does me, and I like it. I, I like the perspective of the Three Musketeers defending France from English or from, you yeah. know, because I maybe because I'm from that part of the woods and like. No, I don't think the I would, Three I Musketeers are not my heroes because I'm English, right? I don't They're think I would heroes. feel any different if it was. I don't. I don't have that super love for superheroes even about defending the world, defending America, defending... What about uh, something like Robin Hood? Do you like the... Uh, um, defending the people? It's a bit more broad. I think the reason I'm not as intrigued by 
nationalism or defend my territory. It doesn't intrigue me as much as the plight of the poverty-stricken being smashed down by the aristocracy. Now, that's different. That's global. That could be anywhere. So I don't mind that one. There's but definitely like, something about swashbuckling type movies, though, that I like. I do like the throwback to, like, sword fighting and, you know, I was going to say not pulling out guns every two minutes, even though guns <laughs> yeah. do appear in this movie, which is, is funny, like, yeah. in a funny way. Like, um, But, yeah, I do like the throwback to, you know, men who have to, you know, come outside, we'll settle this with a sword fight. I do like the idea of that, because that's never going to happen nowadays. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lost art. Men fighting? No, with swords. Not Sword swords, fighting. but they're fists. <laughs> we'll fight with fists. But I'm say it's a it's a it's a thing that used to happen that does not happen now. All it is, it does not happen. It doesn't. Nobody uses a sword. You just, nobody wanders around with a sword, do they? I don't know. Well, not I'm that sure somebody does. So uh, moving on to the uh, cast of this movie, we got a fine bunch of people here. We've got um, Matthew McFadden as Athos. Um, these are the different. Musketeers, if you do not know. Uh, all three of them. We got I did not know. Matthew McFadden as Athos, Luke Evans as Aramis, Ray Stevenson as Porthos, and Logan Lerman as D'Artagnan. Right, so the four Musketeers, it's always been a joke that it's the three Musketeers, but there really was four of them. Um, I think they all did a fine job because they're all so different. Yes. Oh, I think the other And they fine. design them to be... Um, I mean, you just don't see enough behind the... Like, they Absolutely. do try to cover the backstories of them uh, uh, just a tiny bit. But they, they don't... There's not enough room in this movie to do it, is there? It needs to be a three-hour movie if you want to do that. So, they don't really cover the backstory. And that's the thing I had a problem with. Like, you don't... D'Artagnan, it's just immediate that he has yep. to go and be a hero. Um, you get to see a little bit like of the battle scars of these guys and what they've been through, but it's very brief and yeah, you know you get to feel uh, is it Athos like his why he's so yeah. um, angry and because he's been see I didn't feel like he was angry and then they said it I'm like mm, he didn't portray that very good so. moody I would say more um, I just felt he was level headed. I didn't feel the moodiness at all until someone attaches that label and then everyone goes, Oh yeah, he's moody. No, I didn't feel that at all. He was just the level headed one of the planner of the group, you know? So yeah, I think they played fine, Musketeers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked the dynamic of having the young uh, D'Artagnan with them because they are normally all the same age. And he definitely made them think differently and made them act differently at times because he's so hot headed, you know? And, you know, I used to watch this cartoon when I was growing up called Dog Tanyan, which mm-hmm. was, it was basically a take on the three musketeers, but with dogs. <laughs> so they were dressed in musketeers' outfits and they were dogs and um, Dog Tanyan was like a, a German shepherd or something. And uh, he was the young Dog Tanyan and he was really spunky and like he was kind of a pain in the ass to the other guys because... He Get wanted to trouble. go after everybody and they wanted to kind of drink and eat apples and sit in the thing. So it kind of brought that back to me. Um, so yeah, they all played good. And then another famous character in the book is Milady de Winter, who's played by Mila Jovovich, who happens to be the wife of the director. And she's in all the Resident Evil movies also, by coincidence. She played a good part here, but it was like... She's like an assassin, kind of mm-hmm. um, double-crosser. Just a spy. Yes, yeah, spy. That's yeah. that's the better word for it. Um, but it's kind of a 
you know, she's sexed up a little bit in, in parts. Sure. But she was good. She had some great costumes. And uh, obviously being a fashion lover as she is, I'm I think sure she, she had would. some good moments of expressions and playing some really fine details in her interaction with people. So I like that about her. I mean, it's totally fun, and you can tell she's even... Sure, sure. But she seemed, when you see her in the air, she seems very serious about portraying certain things, doesn't mm-hmm. she, you know? Um, but yeah, she's in there, she's she's good. Uh, Orlando Bloom, and, you know, the credits say, and Orlando Bloom, and that is really the case. He is a bad guy in here, but he's not in it a lot. I feel like he was in quite a bit. Well, it was guest starring at Orlando. Yeah, but no, 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 he was I'd in it a lot. I'd say he was in it. If it's, in, if it's on for two hours, I would say 15 minutes to 10, 10 minutes, maybe. I think more than that. I think you're mistaken. Uh, There's like five scenes with him having big, long conversations. But anyway, whatever. No, not okay. whatever. It is what it is. No, <laughs> I mean, five scenes, long conversations does, still could add to 15 minutes, right? Um, I don't think... I think it's bigger than that. I think it's bigger than you think. I'm not going through with a stopwatch counting <laughs> his uh, screen time. But it seemed... You seem to have done it already by he, declaring he on, that it's 15 minutes. He was on minutes. there a lot less for me. Um, for you, it might have been longer. But for me, he wasn't used enough I would have had him in it more uh, they used his henchmen a lot more than he, he him they were on the screen more so um, you know he's good oh that's fine he literally like he almost does like the like they say like the he tried to aim for like being a rock star or it's almost like what Johnny Depp does I with, disagree completely yeah you obviously will um, but Not obviously. I think just because the guy said it, it didn't put that in my mind. I thought he was trying to be I thought it sort before anybody said it. Um, I thought he was trying to be like a really snotty. No, I thought arrogant. he was trying to be super cool. Yeah, I thought he was For the just time. Being, like really arrogant and like just trying to be Which is have what the upper Sparrow hand on everything. Be. Yeah, but they're completely different. There's no comparison whatsoever. Like, I, I guess I have to put my point across better because what I'm actually saying is. It's like that. Like, Johnny Depp just totally went to town and had fun with Jack Sparrow. This is what Orlando Bloom is doing with this character. He is, like, overblowing it completely. He's being, like, real real crazy with his action. You know, he even puts his arms back and stuff. It's it's larger than life. Wow, I don't get that at all. Things very subtle, but very... His cunning on his face. There's no subtle... There were some very subtle things about the way he didn't... No, the character like, overall. I'm not talking about certain things. I'm talking about the character. And, you know, how he looks and how he walks, how he talks. Yeah, but there's... An, I guess I'm not... I get your point, so you don't have to repeat it. But I do do not agree that he... I agree that he's having a good time with it. Like, pouring himself into this sort of bizarro character. But there's no comparison, really, to me. Might not be, but I feel that that's what he was going for. So, uh, Christoph Waltz plays, um, I can't say his name, Rochelle or Rochelle. Creepy. Uh, I think he's also having tons of fun. It's creepy. It's not as creepy as Inglorious Bastards. No. But it's got a creepy edge to it. But he's having tons of fun. He's got crazy outfit. His outfit's kind of insane. You know, he talks. Um... He has to be very super reserved because reserved what he's and trying then to super hide. What he's trying to hide is so huge that he's just he uh, he already sees 10 steps ahead that he's he's going to win the war of everything. He's he's the man who wants to run the world kind of attitude and he's already there in his mind. So all this other petty stuff is just getting I also to love the uh, plot of like the church back in those Yeah. In those days it was a real thing that the church corrupt. were underhanded and corrupt and controlled countries and 
people and everything. Kings like, and queens and yeah. Yeah, and you know, he was like a bug in the air of the. Um, That's of why the I like the queen so much because she could see. She right understood what was going on in that one little moment. Even though, not even if they take out the deleted scene part that we watched after, but in the like one line when she looks straight at him and says, "The king does not need your advice on this," and the guy's like. You I think it was see, a really good movie. You can see him thinking, how can I dispose of this queen? Like, yeah. in his mind kind of thing. So he did a good job. And, uh, you know, he was a bug in the ear of the king. Because the king's so naive and doesn't really know what's going on. He trusts him. He's always like, I, f- I think you should do this. I think you should do this. And he usually does what he says. Um, but I think it was a good move putting Christoph Waltz. Because he he does. Because of that performance, which he did in Inglorious Bastards. If he's playing any hint of a bad guy now, he intimidates the shit out of me because I have that in my head. How intimidating so he really can be. Um, then we've got uh, Freddie Fox as King Louis, King Louis the Eighth. No, that's what he said. X one one one. That's it. He's good. Yeah, really good, and that's why I wanted to mention him. Most people don't know who he is. I don't particularly know who he is, but I really liked him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the best outfits in the movie. Really detailed outfits, and you just like when. <laughs> You wanted to laugh sometimes at the outfit, how crazy it was, because, like you say, it looked like a leprechaun But then sometimes. you have to wonder, is that was that really outfits that people wore? And then if that it, was... It look then, at yeah. paintings and stuff. It was, like, so... But it it was funny, and, and he just Pulled wanted to... Yeah, it was really good. And the Queen uh, was played... And she's just called the Queen in this movie. was played by Juno Temple. Very good. It was also really good. Um, and I don't know who she is at all. She's a British actress. Um, so this was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who we said earlier directed the resi- all the Resident... Well, didn't direct all the Resident Evil movies. Directed the first one and the newest one. But wrote them all. And also did the Death Race movie um, with Jason Statham, which Not you good. didn't particularly no. like. I liked the second one better than the first one because it had more of the origin story, but that wasn't by him. Um, but yeah... Like I say, he has this kind of niche thing. Him and his wife, they own this film company now. They make these Constant movies. Didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a fan, in a way. I, is, I'm not it sort fa- of trivializes things a little bit. Now, Resident Evil, I'm not precious about. I get it. It's it's a video game, and you can do with what you want. You, you know, and there's a whole world there, and a bad guy, and a motive, and the world is what it is. But he still, he sort of trivializes things to the point of, I still feel in his mind it's all about appealing to, like you said, the lowest common denominator. The only plus side of him is that he adds so much detail. I feel like he researches the shit out of everything so much that he will go to a castle in Bavaria and do whatever paperwork is necessary or send his people or whoever he has to his producers and say... Look, we want to shoot in this castle. We want to build these ships. We need the money to build. I admire that. I just want to raise the level of his sensibilities a little bit. I don't want it to be dummied down constantly. Well, you could say the same for Michael Bay, right? Who has a certain sensibility too. Absolutely. And he makes visual spectacles that do appeal to lowest common denominator, really. I mean, like, something like... I'm talking about more thematically. The concepts are pretty dummied down. I do do believe all of Michael Bay's movies that his concept... Make them more gritty. Well, Michael Bay's the same thing. Like, none of his... They're not really high-concept movies. Maybe the island. Maybe the island is. But the way they're presented, it's generally just wang-bang... Is he a director? 
director and uh, writer, etc. Right. Michael Bay's a director, you know. I thought he was producer. No. Jerry Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer's the producer, right. Michael Bay, you know, Transformers. Right. Um, Pearl Harbor. And you're right, yes. He, but, he, again, he... He dominates down story. Even Pearl Harbor, he dominates down. the visual spectacle, the visual of it so much. Yeah. And then sucks a little bit of the... The story is second. The integrity out of it. Because it's just duh, 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 a lot. The story is so. really. I feel any watching any Michael Bay film, and I'm a fan of Michael Bay. I like what he does, but I see it on a certain level. Transformers. It's big robots. It's an established thing. It's kind of crappy. The story. That yeah, runs you don't need it. that crappy story. It could be no, really good. Really, you don't need that. You could be really good. You could make all those characters and all the story really good and intense. Pearl and Harbor, kind of crappy stories running through it, but the actual spectacle part, he does really well. You know, he can make he can make um, the Pearl Harbor bombing thing look very realistic, etc. But so why does he think everyone's an idiot? I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, oh, they collectively why. Um, but yeah, Paul W.S. Anderson also, like you say, on a smaller scale than Michael Bay, because his movies are not quite as, you know... I don't know. I, I do feel that Paul W.S. Anderson gets his money's worth from every Absolutely. cent that he spends. Because this movie costs $70 million to make, which is not cheap, but it's also not a Michael Bay production of $250 million. It's a lot less than that. But I feel like he's every cent of it looks like it's on the screen to me. Mm-hmm. Like... It doesn't feel cheap in any way. It's like, wow. No, not at all. didn't go cheap on costumes. They didn't go cheap on actors, actually. They, you know, it's nothing's cheaped out on, like. And that's what I feel he does in all his movies, you know? Even the Resident Evil movies. The other thing what I like about him is he takes something, like Resident Evil, which is a, a game. He doesn't just do the story of the game. He does his own thing, but then nods to the fans of the thing, which is the same as this, really. He's nodding to the fans of Three Musketeers, but saying, this is my new thing. It's not the Three Musketeers that you know. But here's things that you'll recognise, you know, from the Three Musketeers, as it's been told hundreds of times. So, uh, and he also brings his wife to the equation, which <laughs> I, 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 you know, I Le- like Lilu Dallas Multipass is of her course. best. <laughs> and she, somebody asked her the other day in an interview, uh, when are you going to do the Fifth Element 2 she said, never, because Lilu Dallas is very special. Absolutely. She needs to stay. Absolutely. If anyone even tries, they need to be, have Oh, no, no, she said no. Like, it would never be anything to no, do I mean, with her. I know, but if someone even tried to make a fifth right, element yeah. follow-up. No. no, no, no. No. Absolutely not. It's a one-off. Um, and that, that exists, and you can see that. So, um, Blu-ray extras on this uh, set, and it is quite packed. Actually, it's a th- Blu-ray 3D, so you get a disc with the 3D movie. And a disc with the 2D movie. We watched it in 2D today. Um, but extras, it's loaded with extras. I am going to say, watching it with the extras would make it better than it is watching it originally. Even though I liked it's it It's definitely a, lot. a reason to go back and it watch would it. Absolutely, because it's every, every few seconds you get some big fancy extra going on. Yeah, it's called Access uh, Three Musketeers, the extra. The main extra. And it's a picture-in-picture picture slash... Well, it's all kinds of things happening while the movie's going on. And it has one of my favourite features of these features. It tells you how long it's going to be until the next thing comes up. Or you can just press a button and go straight to it. So you'll be watching the movie and it'll say, in 1 minute 22, something's going to happen in, during the extras. And then all of a sudden, seamlessly, it might go to a documentary piece or there's like a kill 
kill count thing for uh, to show you how many people got killed. Uh, you know, stabbed or yeah, as all four of the musketeers, and it's kind of a game between them who gets the most points. Um, and then there's set design stuff, and you know, all kinds of stuff. And what we said to each other, we turned it on, and we, you know, it kept cutting off to these featurettes and. And we were only a minute into the movie, yeah, it was and we'd like already watched like fifteen minutes worth of stuff. Exactly. Like. So you're gonna get your money's worth. You're gonna get a four-hour movie. And I do think it. if I watched all of that, I would even like the movie better. Kind of like a Daredevil situation. I watched Daredevil. If anyone's ever listened to all of our shows, Daredevil was one of those movies I watched, and I was like, oh my god. I mean, I didn't like it at all. Then we watched the extras. And ever since then, every time I watch Daredevil, I like it more. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that should even exist in the world of movie loving. But for some reason, after watching the extras, I see the movie differently. It didn't change the movie, but to, in well, my mind, it made it And better. then we watched the director's cut of Daredevil yeah. later, which actually did improve the movie. Because yeah. they added a load more plot into there that was... Is what was wrong with it in the first place. Oh, there's like a load of the origin stuff missing. They put it all back. It wasn't really what was wrong with it to me, but I know what you're saying. Um, so, yeah, Access Three Musketeers, they they describe it as the ultimate insider's look at the Three Musketeers. I agree, actually. Um, there's an audio commentary with Paul W.S. Anderson also, so you can watch it again with just the audio commentary. Then there's deleted scenes, and there's a lot of deleted scenes on this movie. Um, we watched them all. They're not... There wasn't anything missing. But it's pretty good. I mean, there's some extended dialogue in yeah. in a lot of the scenes. Um, so that's it. Even though that doesn't sound like a that's lot, a lot. me just saying. It is a lot. It'll it's hours that movie by twice. Yeah, plus you got long. the 3D version in the box, which is cool. So you get both. You're going to um, watch it in 3D then? Yeah, I actually will. Because I, there were scenes where I was like, yeah, that was obviously done for 3D. You know, no, some, I don't some think of the about fight. that at all. Um, I mean, it wasn't obvious to me, so that's a good thing. You know, what, nothing you know what I think would look good in 3D? They have like a... Um, at the beginning, when they're showing you like a battle map with uh, oh, yeah, that pieces way. on it, and and the camera goes through it like a yeah, like a war with the games letters map. coming at you. Yeah, 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 you can see stuff. So yeah, but even in two D, you're not missing anything if I don't you don't watch it in three D. But you do get the three D version included, which is cool. Um, so in conclusion, it's a really fun movie. I think. fun time. Yeah, it's not. It's not the literary version of the Three Musketeers. It's not anything like that. For me, it's if you're into the swashbuckling action fun movie, you're going to. You want to go it. outside with your ten year old afterwards and get a couple of limbs that are going to lay on the ground yeah, and, and do some sword fighting. And... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's that. It's really that. I I reckon you could sit down with a ten year old kid or maybe less. I don't know. Um, and the kid would want to, you know, be a sword fighter. Like it would inspire that because this heroic stuff, inspiring stuff. Even though they're, they're like a bunch of murderers, really. <laughs> Fully. <laughs> they do murder for lots of guys, don't they? In cold yes. blood. <laughs> but and all they had to do was just, yeah, go, just walk away with them. Just sorry. surrender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. Never mind. That. I think most heroes are murderers. At some point. You reckon? Superman, Superman ba- never killed anybody Batman? on purpose. Does Batman kill people? I believe so. Yeah, they're most, mostly murderers. Superman doesn't Super kill murderers. Superman doesn't kill anyone. No, not intentionally, but some people do die on his watch. In fact, I was even listening to Superman, original radio runs of Superman, and that's one of the things he says. Superman, you know, like, there's a constant voiceover when you listen to the old radio shows from the 40s. 
And he, this is how it goes. I'm, I'm walking on the ledge, and oh, I almost slipped. I don't want to slip and fall, and there's a window up there. Up I go. And down I go. And there he is. Now Superman doesn't kill anyone, so I will, whatever he's going to do. Punch him in the face. Like, tie him up, or put a chair over him, or something. It's really, it's like, but then I'm totally into it, man. I'm listening, and I'm visualizing it all. But of course... Superman to me is Christopher Reeves, no matter what he is. And so that's what is in my mind whenever I'm listening to the radio so, show. So it's like, I will tie him up and give him a hot cup of soup so he's okay. <laughs> Just leave him there for someone to find. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they Three Musketeers, when you watch the opening <laughs> scenes, they literally murder a bunch of people. A bunch of murdering bastards. And then, like, have a drink and have a laugh. <laughs> It's yeah. just the way of life. Yeah, we just that. have to what kill all these. What century is that? We have to kill the guards. Seventeen. Everyone. Seventeen hundreds. Seventeenth century. So sixteen hundreds. Correct. So we're um, yeah, that's it. That's Thank, it. Thanks to Summit Entertainment for the Blu-ray. We really had fun this afternoon watching that one. Um, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. There's a contest there to win The Descendants on DVD. You can go there and win. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review will be Immortals. Um, another swashbuckling movie, I believe. <laughs> I don't think so. But set in uh, Greece, I think. I don't know. But yeah, Immortals will be next week's review. Um, so the write that line. What is that? Write that line. I don't know why I wrote it down, but it's not on there. Oh right. Oh, I probably didn't refresh. I just. Oh okay, okay. Um, write that line is a game we play where one of us says. A famous line from a movie, very famous line, iconic even, and you say it right, correctly or incorrectly, correctly, and the other person has to guess or figure out from their own memory if that's the correct way, because you'd be surprised how many of those iconic lines you think you know, but you're actually wrong, because you maybe never saw the movie, you just heard it retold so many times, Right, it gets kind of twisted around. Um, so I wish I knew what my line was, because I did write it down before the show, onto the uh, show notes. Well, let me see here for you. You don't know it off the top of your head? No, well, I might be wrong if I say it right, wrong. Right. Oh, dear. <laughs> it logged me. There it is. There it is. All right, okay. uncover it, and then don't look at it. I won't look at it. All right, the line is, you can also guess the movie if you like, what it okay, comes from. Okay, I'll try. It ain't white boy day, is it? Oh. It ain't white boy day, is it? It's not said in that way. I'm just saying, I'm just making it I'm saying it differently so you don't get it. That's <laughs> easy. Well I I don't know what movie is that. It ain't white boy day, is it? I heard what you said. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing an action here. <laughs> it ain't white boy day, is it? Is that a badge or something? Nope. Okay, what movie is it then? I'm a swinging lamp. I'm pointing it at you. <laughs> Over the table. I'm getting, I'm getting the lamp off its card and I'm shining a lamp in your face. I don't know. True romance. Oh my god. How could I not know that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. True romance is It ain't white boy day, is it? I get you now. You're Gary, Gary Oldman. Sinise. Gary Oldman. Gary Sinise. Gary Oldman. Mo, with the Mo dreads. Yeah. Yeah, Gary yeah, Oldman. man. Oh my god. Oh it dear. ain't white boy day, is it? Um, correct. I'm going to say correct. You're going to say correct? Yeah. It is correct. Yeah, even though I don't have no idea. 
But you do know about lions. Yes, now absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. When he stops it, because the lamp's like swinging, yeah. swinging, they stops it and they it's turn. It's real tense. And he's eating and he's being all gross and disgusting. And, and there's says a porno like, movie on, in, playing in no, the corner. No man can sit there for two minutes and not notice the, Looking at the titties on the screen and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. That scene is so... Unt- uh, that movie is so awesome. I mean, it's not. To some people, would find it totally vulgar and horrible. Quentin Tarantino, written Absolutely. by. You know what? Here's, here's an interesting fact. Quentin Tarantino releases his top 20 films of all of, of the year, every year. Because I'm always interested to see which ones. Maybe there's something in there I didn't see him. Because I, I like his... Movies sensi- that are released that year? Yeah, and okay. I usually like his sensibility. I like watching stuff that he liked. The Three Musketeers, it's number 11. Really? Out of last year. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if it's because his friend Christoph Waltz is in it. Hmm. Or he just thought it was a real good good laugh. But yeah, it's in Quentin Tarantino's number 11 movie of last year. He likes cheeky stuff, I though. think he does, yeah. So, that's just an interesting fact. Okay. <laughs> I plucked out my ass. No, it is true. So, uh, movie recommendations this week. I am going with, on a theme of this movie. Number one, Stardust. Good it one. features airships. Correct. It features swashbuckling. It also features Take That in the music at the end. Oh, yeah. And so does this movie. Right. So it instantly had to be my Stardust was a good one, I it must say. It is really good. Really um, good. And my second one is Zorro, and that's the Zorro with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Never saw it. Anthony Hopkins. A swashbuckling, as you can imagine. Never saw it. If you like <laughs> Three Musketeers, Paris the Caribbean, that kind of thing... Zorro really fits in with it. I think it was underrated at the time. A lot of people didn't. People who like it really, really yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah, it is good. And my recommendations are... Dun, 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 because I'm thinking swashbuckling, but a different twist. And I may have recommended this way in the early days, but it's called My Favorite Year. And this dude who becomes an assistant to an old actor who is still... Like, was a swashbuckling guy. Still made... But he's too old to do them, and he's kind of down on his luck. It's just a quirky, 80s, sensitive kind of... I mean, it's really good. And it's got Peter O'Toole. And that led me to Uh my next one, which is called Venus. Because Peter O'Toole is an old man. Nothing to do with swashbuckling at all. Mm. But, you know, Peter O'Toole. And it was just from a couple of years ago. Awesome. You would... I think it was Oscar Smallish movie. But it's just... It's incredible. Really takes you in. And really dramatic and... Sad and Not all. like the Three Musketeers in any way, shape, or form. No, and then my other one has to, of course, be the Fifth Element. It is Miljovic's what she was born to play in the movies. Um, every moment is just every scene. I'm. She could never, in my opinion, could never top it. No, well, you can't say that. You don't know. I personally think that was her. Yeah, but you don't know. You it never. It was know almost what's like, and it wasn't. And Natalie Portman for me also is Leon, and people say no, Black Swan. No, it's Leon. Because she's so young. Yeah, but they're not dead yet, so you never know no, what they I'm can do. No, I'm just saying she's so young and so she's, good, and it's so it's effortless. Like the performance, I don't know. It's just you know. Yeah, but you can't you can't say that because you don't know yet. I think um, you have no idea. There could be some movie that come along that they're both. They just. Well, Black Swan was close for me. It was, uh, it was pretty close, but I'm still on Leon's side. Uh, all right, so um, that's it. That's it for recommendations. Games and A. Scully stuff this week. Been playing lots of Mass Effect 3. Don't want to give any spoilers for Mass Effect 3. And I don't want you, as an audience, to give any spoilers for Mass Effect 3. Because I don't want the end spoiler. No. Um, 
It's an amazing game. It's graphically one of the best games I've seen on the Xbox 360. Hands down. They do like some cinematic moments when there's big story stuff happening. That really feels like you're watching a movie. I forget that it's a video game. You know? And the actual... The way the dialogue is handled. And there's... I can't imagine how much dialogue is on these discs. Seems like it's constant. Well, think about it. It's like they never repeat stuff. People have conversations with you. And they only repeat stuff if you... Oh, shit, I've gone to the same guy and he's saying the same thing. But generally, everybody's saying something different all the time. And on the disc is... I could be a male or a female, so there has to be two recordings of everything. Right. By two different voice actors. And then you've got all the people you speak to. It's it's immense. Like, I can't even comprehend how they got all that onto two discs I know you have to swap discs on the 360 and it's kind of annoying but when you're thinking about how much is involved in this game it's kind of a small price to pay um, I'm really anxious to see what happens it's kind of been all, all over the place so far meet lots of new people meet lots of small friends so Mass Effect 3 I talked about it last week highly recommended I've been playing a couple of uh, Vita games this week uh, the Uncharted Golden Abyss not the Uncharted Uncharted and Golden Abyss now this is an interesting thing it's an Uncharted game on the Vita and it's actually better than Uncharted on the PS3 the original Uncharted really? And it's a new oh, yeah, you said Uncharted wasn't that great but for some reason you right so this is the prequel to Uncharted the, the first one and there has been three on the PS3 so this is Uncharted Zero you could say like the yeah. first adventure he went on it's longer than the original Uncharted on the PS3 it's got more set piece moments the voice acting there's more cutscenes there's more voice acting and we're talking about a handheld game that's amazing to me because I expected a um, chopped down a chopped down version like a shorter less action packed because they can't do all that but they've done it all and so if you're a fan of Uncharted and Uncharted 1 was your least favourite in the series which it is for me 2 is my favourite and 3 is my second favourite this is better than the first one for me Nolan North does the voice acting so it's the same same um, Nathan Drake you know and love Sully appears in there Um, it's just it also you understand I've not finished it yet. I'm about halfway through. But the thing's 33 chapters long, which is longer than most Uncharted games. But what you understand while you're playing it is why Uncharted... Why he goes on this mission in Uncharted. It kind of unveils that. But it's a whole it's a whole new story. It's not something you've played before. It's a brand new Nathan Drake adventure. So don't think it's a cut-down thing. It's not. It's totally worth your money. It's a good one. The other one I've been playing on the Vita is Wipeout 2048. Wipeout, one of my favourite racing series. Since you've known me, I've always been a fan of Wipeout. Bought every Wipeout game. This is Wipeout 2048, which is the prequel to all the Wipeout games. Because they all take place way further in the future. This is 2048, just after cars, normal cars, have evolved into hover vehicles. It's like, just as it happened. The public aren't driving around in hover vehicles, just racing teams. So it's like... It's just as it starts to happen. So they're not as good, the crafts. They're not... Like the latest yeah. Wipeout, they're not quite as good as that. So they're kind of like... What's really cool about it is... You can still hear an engine 
It doesn't sound like a hover car. It sounds like a racing car. So when you're racing, it's like... Like a normal racing car. Whereas in the future, in the other wipeouts, there is no noise because they're hover vehicles. There's no noise at all. So it's cool how they've done it. It's the prequel. It starts in 2048. That's your first season of races. You do 2049 and 2050. And then... So it, it you know... A racing game acting as a prequel to the rest of the series. That doesn't really happen because they don't usually have a yeah. story. But I like how they did it. The mechanics are slightly different. It's got multiplayer online on the Vita. It works seamlessly. I sat there the other night, wore my battery down to the bottom just playing online and didn't realise it. So I'd been on it four or five hours just playing. Multiplayer races, really fun. Weapons to fire at people. You know, it's, it's really fun. So Wipeout 2048, another highly recommended Vita game. And the third game we've been playing this week on the PlayStation Network is Journey. You didn't see it. Mm-mm. It's from the creator of Flower. You remember Flower? Mm-hmm. Journey is his sequel to Flower. It's in the very same vein as... If you liked Flower, all I can say, I don't want to spoil this game. If you liked Flower, you will love this game. It, it takes the kind of the same approach. It's not a game, it's more of an art, interactive art kind of... Experience. Yeah, forget like it, it's it's not made from a gaming standpoint. It's not like oh, we have to jump up here and we have to have a platform here. We've got to give people a challenge. It's not made from that standpoint. It's made from the standpoint of journey. Here's an experience. Go on a journey A to B. You might not have. You might or might not have to do gaming things along the way. You might just be taking in this awesome experience. It's a journey of a man walking from one place to another. The game lasts for two hours. It's a one-sitting kind of thing. And I must stress, if you buy it, don't play a little bit and then put it down. Play the whole thing in Did one Did you guys game. finish it? Yeah, I finished it the day before, twice. I sat and played it twice. Then I, uh, my uh, nephew came and he played it. And so I played it three times this week. It's two hours long. It's made to play in one sitting. It's very emotional. You'll feel an emotional thing at the end. You know like you did with mm-hmm. Flower? You actually don't know what you were feeling but something was happening right I see in Flower I still don't know what it was it's a culmination of the music and what the visuals it's the same in this this one's a bit more heavy handed it's kind of a metaphor for life Um, and it's not really hard I don't think if I give it you you could play it all the way through even if you'd not experienced games before it's not that kind of thing I think you'd come out of the other end going I know exactly what they were saying Sure. It's not like a grey... There's no grey area. It's Yes, it's that. But I, I appreciate somebody doing something different. Yeah, yeah. And um, you might say, well, you know, ten bucks for a two-hour thing. That's a bit expensive or whatever. Pay eight dollars to go see a two-hour movie. You do. And you won't have an experience like this from most movies. Because this is like... I mean, I don't advocate $8 for a movie. I think it's bullshit. No, me neither, but... I mean, you compare it, if you say $10 for two hours... And this, you can go back and do it again and again. And I think if you've got people who've not really played games, and you can sit them down and say, just do this, you don't need to explain anything. It's all very... Yeah, but it still doesn't make... doesn't. It's not like a bridge to gaming. It's not, but I think it would open some people's eyes as to what... Gaming, well, it's not gaming. What an interactive experience can right, be. Right, right. Because it's not a game, it's an experience. And, you know, 
just because you've got a controller in your hand and you're moving a guy, it doesn't mean it's a game because there is no fail state in this thing. You can't die. You can't. You, know, just you don't have to do anything. You can't jump across a thing and fall off and be frustrated. There's none of that. It's it's just a thing, A to B. It happens, no matter if you're bad or good or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's it's a thing. It's hard to explain. But I think you must experience it. It's one of the... Flower and this, in this generation of stuff, games, I call them games, but they're not games. It's one of the most interesting two things I've experienced. Because not many people... Shadow of the Colossus was another one. Mm-hmm. Not many... and But that's a bit more gamey than these are. Gamey. I don't know. I like to see somebody doing something else. Not... We've got to make another Mario, or we've got to make another... Yeah. Wipeout, or another Uncharted. It's this singular thing that somebody is trying to do something different. And I really admire it. They call it That Game Company. So it's thatgamecompany.com if you want to go and look at all the other stuff that they've done. They were like MIT graduates who had an idea with Flower. And then it Sony bought it off them. So that is all my stuff for this week. Next week, on Tuesday... Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City comes out on the Xbox 360. It's the new Resident Evil game where you play as the Umbrella Corporation. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, so yeah, that's my stuff for this week. So Sid Talk, what's for dinner? What What is the what's for dinner segment? What's for dinner is what's for dinner. What I'm going to be cooking and we'll be and why eating. do people care about that? I don't know that anyone does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty convinced no one does. But I'm telling you. I'll be making the, what we're going to call teriyaki tofu, even though it doesn't have teriyaki ingredients, but it ends up tasting kind of like that, with mushrooms and peppers and some, then on the side of that will be jambalaya rice. So we're kind of combining our ethnicness, and then uh, there'll be corn and peas also on the side over there, or maybe broccoli and cauliflower, I haven't decided. And um, that's it. And for my, I've already discussed my... Advice, so I won't go there. But the I'm going to be working on painting, a paintings. I've just finished one. Oh yeah, for my niece, which is uh, if you want to see it, you can go to my site sidtalk.com and you can look. I I don't do paintings necessarily. I don't do I art. I disagree. For, I don't do painting. Well, there's one there, and then there's there's that's a drawing. Yeah, drawings, and then there's paintings all over the house. But it's not Pictures. when people say, "Oh, you paint," they're going to immediately think, "Oh, landscapes and horses and portraits." Oh, I don't know how to paint anything like that. I just draw whatever's in my head. So the one I just did for my niece, one of my nieces, Ashley, is you know it's completed, and the next one I'll be doing for my other niece, there'll be a series of them with little little ones that I'll put together. But one I'm doing for you will be a Union Jack. Of my own style for your bathroom, which sounds really classy, but your bathroom is sort of British. Be, stuff and yeah, I'm not sure if, how many British people would be offended by that. In my bathroom, then. I have a British road sign, <laughs> a um, Beatles. Beatles poster, I, I have a light switch cover that's a Union Jack. <laughs> so it's and a, a, right. a towel, a Union Jack Correct. towel. Correct. So I'm going to do a painting to put in there. And then you also requested a Pac Man or gaming painting. Pac Man, I specifically like the ghost and the Pac Man. So just the Right. Well, it'd have to be my own style. Yeah, but, but I think they would go maybe a, above there. I'll replace those. I kind of like those, but yeah. up there would be kind of cool. Like that Pac-Man would be. Like on those little across, squares that I have. Across. Yes. Oh, ho, ho. 
genius. That, in fact, that would be amazing. And I've got six of those. Do that. Oh, art is born. I don't know. Yeah, in your stuff. We think it's art. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Okay, so uh, thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our websites, aschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Sid Facebook. Sidtalk is C-I-D-T-A-L-K. Catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, Zoom, Marketplace, if you've got a Zoom. Or if you haven't got a Zoom, if you just like the Zoom software in Windows, <laughs> which we do. Yeah. Uh, you can use that to subscribe to our podcast. Would it now be in some other Microsoft world where they put podcasts? No, it's in that. I mean, they're going to change it, right? It's not going to be Zoom anymore. It's going to be the same software. They're just taking the Zoom name away, apparently. Right, so what's it going to be? Don't know yet. Right. When Windows 8 comes out. All right, then. Um, then you can also get it on the iTunes Music Store. That will always be the iTunes Music Store, I'm assuming. Uh, you can also catch the RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe with anything that can use an RSS feed, which is pretty much everything nowadays, right? Um, so you can just listen? You can listen straight on the page. Just There's a little applet. If you've got, you need shortwave flash, which most people do, click the play button, listen to it there. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sitok. She does not want your mithering. <laughs> um, Correct. Yeah. Stay classy, um, Miliovich and her husband, Paul W.S. Anderson, got their own distinct brand of thing going on, and this is kind of encapsulates that. You have your twin directors that you like, Paul Anderson and Paul Anderson. For very different Very reasons. different. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, somebody is probably already doing it for you. <laughs>